You're listening to Look at My Records. This is episode 220, and I'm your host, Tom Gallo. Scout Gallette returns to the Look at My Records podcast for episode 220. 2022 has been an eventful year for the Brooklyn songwriter as she recently shared her highly anticipated debut full-length, No Roof, No Floor, on Captured Tracks. The release is a long time coming for Galette, as principal tracking for the album began two years ago at the Chicken Shack in Stanfordville, New York. There, Galette recorded in a barn with Nick Kinsey, Kevin Copeland of The Big Net, and Al Kempner of Palehound. The intensely personal record delves deeply into Galette's own stark observations and unfeigned experiences, shedding light on addiction and coming of age, while artfully blending a fluid set of genre influences that includes country, folk, and Americana. During our interview, Scout and I discussed the making of No Roof, No Floor inside a barn in upstate New York, how she connected with the folks at Capture Tracks, what's in store for 2023, and much more. Scout also curated an excellent playlist of tunes from my record collection, including choice cuts from The Stranglers, Flamin' Groovies, Julia Jacqueline, and more. We'll dive into our interview after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look At My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look At My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at (laughs) lookatmyrecords.com. You know, really excited to to chat with you. It's been a little it's bit. Been a little bit. So many, so many new things happening in your world. Super exciting. Uh, your debut full length is coming out, and it's it's coming out on Captured Tracks, which is really cool. You signed with Captured Tracks earlier this year. Uh, tell me how that come together, and how's the experience been for you? so far well it came together over time after i recorded the record i sent out hundreds of emails i already had the album cover i already had a vision and a concept and i just was sending it to everyone and anyone i knew and i had someone on my team who's a friend who previously worked for matador and was like well connected I hit Capture Tracks. I had another friend hit Capture Tracks. And then this friend, who's now my manager, Jess, she contacted the A&R and, like, made her listen to the record in front of her. She was like, listen to this now, you know. And uh, it worked out. And I signed July of 2021. And it's been really exciting. I... I, it's a dream come true. I moved to New York five years ago to pursue music, and I've worked really hard. And to have that hard work honored and supported 
really has helped me a lot and just helped me get my stuff out there. And Yeah, I was so excited for you. And I know you're really excited, too, because the label, as far as independent labels go, has been such a tastemaker over the last decade. And I also love all the reissue projects that they do. So they're really, to me, stand out from a lot of the other independent labels for, you know, curating great new artists as well, but also turning an eye to the kind of history and reissuing all the like Flying Nun records and stuff like that. So it just must have been such a cool uh, experience for you. Definitely. And I think they killed it with the three artists they signed. It's myself, Jay Wood, who's in Winnipeg, yes. and Thus Love, who's in Vermont, and we've all really bonded and gotten to hang out and just go through this experience together. We all have worked really hard in our own little communities and our regions, and I think everyone's really humbled and excited, and it's so diverse and all real, genuine music, and all of the artists are very, just spectacular humans, so I think... They yeah, totally. I'm curious because I know you really pride yourself on your DIY ethos, booking your own tours, doing everything yourself. What was the adjustment like for you to now have like a, a label like that behind you and like doing doing work for you and stuff like that? Well, I still do a lot of work myself. I'm still yeah. I'm still booking my tours But actually, this upcoming tour that I have, it's the first tour that I didn't fully book myself. I'm going as support for the first time, and it's crazy. I'm I'm thrilled. I... it's it's also hard because I am with my art, and I've always done it myself. There are some areas where I am having to adjust with sharing the room or sharing the work because I'm used to just, like, doing it all myself, knowing what anything that's going on. Um, I know what's happening and all of that. And so um, I, I think my manager, Jess, does a really good job of like helping bridge that communication. And yeah. a lot of the things that are outside of my area are just like marketing and financial and sinks and all of that. Yeah. So that's been yeah. a huge learning curve. But luckily I have an, a nice team and um, group of support. Totally. Something else that that I read that uh, is a big change for you was I read you got sober last year, and I've spoken to a lot of musicians over the last couple of years who've gotten sober and have said it's, you know, it's a different lifestyle, definitely, but it's also impacted them positively as a creator. How do you think that change in life, lifestyle has affected you as a songwriter? It's completely changed the game of it all, and... I can't ever imagine going back to the life I was living before. I wouldn't say it was destructive or that it was, I mean, sometimes it was an issue. Yeah, because it's ingrained in the culture of musicians to go to shows and drink and then go out dancing after. And um, making that change has opened up everything for me. Just how intentional I am with my conversations, with what I listen to, with how I spend my time working. It's just everything is just delegated and I have enough energy to give my raw and best self to my craft. And when I signed with Captured Tracks, I had a week of, you know, friends wanting to celebrate and go out and take shots and all that. And I had a few days of that and I 
said, this is it. This is my dreams. And I'm not going to let anything sacrifice the raw and genuine um, intention behind it. And I, I feel so much better. And I, I feel it was hard at first performing at shows because I was so used to just having one to kind of loosen me up. And, you know, after interacting with everyone, it's sometimes really awkward and you feel so like raw but after a few shows I realized it was the way to do it because I remembered everything you know I remembered looking at certain yeah. people I remembered what I wanted want to change about the next song what I learned everything just stuck with me more and I feel like I grew just exponentially just like you know yeah totally and it's interesting because I've spoken with I don't know if you know uh Elia Einhorn He's a, a sober musician and he wrote a guide basically with, you know, a lot of artists contributing their own experiences to, you know, getting sober and staying sober as a creative. And he, he had like a lot of good advice on it and, you know, things to share with people. So I'm wondering, since you've kind of been doing it for a year now, if you have advice to anyone who, you know, kind of wants to take that path as a creative. I think surrounding yourself with like-minded humans and creatives and finding those people is the best advice I can give. And maybe that takes time of isolating with yourself and really maybe being uncomfortable for a minute and sitting with what you want to change and then I think naturally after that, it will be a butterfly effect of who comes into your life because, you know, I have a lot of people on my team and a lot of friends who are sober. My brother, my best friend, Katie Ray, Riley Walker, who's opening for my album release. Yes. He, he, him and I talk a lot, you know, and just I think just you start finding those people and realize it's it's not lonely. It's not hard and you can still be able to experience everything totally that's incredible heineken zeros are my favorite it's totally and sponsor um, me I, I think it's the best <laughs> and those um what's the other the good ones athletic they have brewing at, athletic brewing yeah yeah because i've those. been kind of like diving into it as well like you know drinking less you know not not completely stopping but like so a lot of times i'll go out and i'll have athletics and i'll have heineken zero yeah, zeros just... as well you if know. you're yeah, if you're starting to make the change or just think about it, just set boundaries for yourself and totally. practice with that. And I at first I cut off liquor for a year and a half. I kind of was figuring out what the best option was for me for about a year before I fully decided to stop. And it yeah, first it was no liquor. First it was no whiskey. And then it was like no <laughs> liquor. And then, you know, it was beer only and then uh yeah, totally. So that's cool. And I'm incredible. Really happy for everything going on with you right now. So this record, No Roof, No Floor, debut solo record. Uh, you recorded it at a barn upstate with Nick Kinsey, uh, Ellen Kempner, who performs as Pel uh, Pale Hound, and uh, Dave Lizme. So tell, just tell us a little bit about how you connected with them and what the what was the experience like of recording with them? in that unique setting? The first session was in February 2020, right before the pandemic hit. And that was with my live band that I was performing with in New York. And then the pandemic hit and my bandmates kind of dispersed over the country. And I started writing a lot during that time, started getting unemployment, which funded 
my record nice, <laughs> um, awesome. and gave me time to be an artist and to actually work on my craft and have these lovely experiences of going to the beach every week. And then Nick Kinsey followed up with me in fall of 2020, a little bit before, and said that um, he had session musicians who were down to record this record with me. And um, we set a schedule and it was all of our first times for all of our first time playing music with other people since the pandemic hit. So the experience was explosive and very memorable. Uh, Kevin Copeland was always there, was also there. Zach from the big net, right? From the big net. Yeah, he's great. And Zach Janikin, who played with Donald Fagan of Steely Dan. It was explosive and um, so much fun. And I'll never forget it. I'm, I'm really happy about how the record came out and, I'm I'm so stoked. I can't believe I'm looking at my calendar just like, oh my gosh. It's right around the corner, right? Oh. What, what was that? So that's interesting to me because, you know, obviously the pandemic stopped everything. But to go into the studio right beforehand, kind of start working on something and then kind of take a, you know, eight or nine month or even, wait, a, over a year. It was eight or nine months, back. yeah. Okay, eight or nine months and then go back, and during that time, I guess you're probably writing a lot, maybe working on those songs again, too. What, what Did anything change as far as what you had in mind for the record from February 2020 to when you eventually went back, or was it generally, like, the same? Definitely. It changed so much. I had no idea that it would just explode and have this massive sound behind it yeah I feel, yeah totally i i feel so lucky that that energy and we got to capture just that feeling of being stuck and having all this creative tension and being able to share it with people and share it with brilliant musicians and to have it just come out with it i it wouldn't have happened if it was before the pandemic and these songs wouldn't have been written if the pandemic wouldn't have happened a lot of the songs that were written during that break, No Roof, No Floor, 444, um, and and a lot of the other songs on the record were written during that time. And so there's a desperate longing to live and to love and to let go. What, what were those writing sessions like for you then to, to put together that string of songs that eventually appeared on the record what were you given the like very unique circumstances of the time how were you drawing inspiration what were you drawing inspiration from going to the beach was a big inspiration behind it uh me and my roommates matthew danger Lippman and matt allen (laughs) of star 80 would go to fort tilden weekly sometimes twice a week and i spent a lot of time meditating in the ocean and no Roof, No Floor really means to me, um, it was a very big transitional time for me, and I was letting go of a lot of grievances, a lot of versions of my past self, and I was also trying to let go of the visions and dreams I had for myself. So it's bringing yourself to the present moment, letting go of the past, letting go of the future expectations, and really letting yourself surrender and let go. And the whole concept of the record, I realized 
when I was floating in the waves that, you know, I was like, if you fight the tide, you're going to just tumble and get tossed around and hit your head in the sand. But if you surrender and let yourself go, you glide across the tides and it's easy and there's no resistance. And I realized I wanted to live my life like that. I wanted to let go. I wanted to surrender. I wanted to fully love. Yeah, it's interesting building off something that you just said, letting go of the visions and dreams that you had for yourself. But it it seems like by doing that, you've kind of been able to actualize some of the dreams that you've, <laughs> you've had for yourself. <laughs> so that seems like it, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I dream all the time. I spend 90% yeah. of my day dreaming. But Allowing yourself to be present and allowing yourself to not hold yourself to those dreams or expectations. And it did, it did work out for me because I, I think unlocking that and unlocking that idea and version and, and pressure allowed me to overcome my fear because that's what I was scared of is, you know, the thing that's closest to me being you know, I don't know, being disappointed in it. And I think it allowed me to overcome my fear. What was it? Tell me what was it like working, I guess, with this trio of people that had a hand in working on the record and producing it, especially uh, Ellen Kemp. It it was amazing. I I love Ellen. And actually, they're coming up with me. We're doing a live session at the Chicken Shack on Sunday and I'm getting to play with them again this week, and I'm looking forward to it because I loved what they brought to the table. They sing on one of the tracks on one of the songs on the record, and I love their voice. I love on uh, Signal, they had the key part, the, like, toy key part, the dee 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 you know? Yeah. And um, it, it was so fun. We had a blast. Cool. That's amazing. And, and- I, I was also a longtime fan of Pale Hound, um, feeling fruit is one of my favorite songs. And I asked them to play the song for me at one night. And it was very surreal. Cause I remember moving to New York and listening to that song nonstop while going to the grocery store. <laughs> totally. So you also mostly recorded this record over two years ago. So as we mentioned, a lot has changed for you since then. So with that in mind, what comes to mind when you hear these songs now? It kind of changes weekly. I'm I'm very much in the world of LP2. I Yeah, I'm, I'm very, sure you are. Yeah. Uh, that's what that's my assumption. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. very excited to take what I've learned from this experience of recording No Roof No Floor and um bringing it to the next record. I'm super inspired and uh, so I've been living in that world a bit, but getting ready for the record release and having the physical record has really sparked my love for the record. I listened to it again and I was like, wow, this is really good. You know, I, I really like this. I did this. This is awesome. Um, so it, it, it kind of changes. There are times though, where I, I am just so in LP two and writing it and, and I'm like, okay, changing gears. I have to get LP1 out first. But the record distribution was pushed back because of the pandemic yeah. and because of everything. And that's why the EP came out, too. Yeah, that's the one thing I think that so many artists have had to deal with. Uh, you know, 
promoting and living with work that they did, you know, two or three years ago. And there's, you know, I think from speaking to people, most of them are proud and like it, but feel a little detached from it almost. Definitely. Yeah. When I go to practice, I'm like, let's play the new tune. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the more recent singles, 444 Marcy Ave, and you said 444 is your angel number. Tell us a little bit about that and how that number in particular gained significance for you. It's one of those things that when I, before I decided to move to New York, like right around that time, I started seeing that number a lot. And then through my years of living in New York, I've seen it in moments that have been very primitive and moments that have a huge timestamp on my heart and mind. And so it just kept coming up and I got into angel numbers, you know, and looking them up on the in the pandemic and it really resonated with me. And I felt like just with the losses I've experienced and the people I've lost, it has kind of helped me when I see the number feel like I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right path that they are still present in my life and with how I'm exerting my energy and creative self. And it, it always came in moments when I felt like I really needed it. And Marcy Avenue is a street where uh, two of my uh, apartments have been in Brooklyn and where a lot of my just favorite memories have been. Have you seen 444 recently in your life? I did. And it is crazy. Last week, so my new roommate, Jesse, who's a really good friend of mine, he does front of house sound and monitor sound um, for Sharon Van Etten, and who has also been someone who's been in my corner and circulating in my life, and the reason I'm in New York, so one of those things. And we, Jesse got a Tascam 388 reel-to-reel, and we went to go pick it up, and the address, it was blank 444. <laughs> and I said, okay, we're doing the right thing. Yes. This is good. So it, it's moments like that where it feels like a big thing, and you're like, whoa, oh, my gosh, 444 again. How does this keep happening? And sometimes I feel crazy, but I go so, <laughs> That's amazing. So that's cool. You have a, a Tascam tape machine in your shared apartment now have you i can't recall had you have you recorded to tape do you do demos to tape and i stuff do like that? i have a whole uh porta studio right here and my whole all my demos for the second record and i i use it every day i'm i love it i have so many tapes it's awesome and i'm kind of also thinking and wrapping my brain around like getting a patreon and having these tape demos available for people who are interested in hearing them but i really have fallen in love with doing my demos onto tape um yeah very cool they definitely tape demos have a certain intimacy to them in the sound that i don't think you can get and digital for sure you can't it's so warm and if you mix it right and pan everything right, and it, it can sound really, I don't know, I really love how it's been capturing my, my work. So do you have a, to get into your songwriting habits, do you have a daily routine where you, okay, I'm going to sit down when I wake up with the tape machine, record something, screw around with my guitar, or do you kind of just have it there 
when inspiration strikes? It's kind of, I. it's been one of my goals to get my room studio set up to a place where I can just plug and play. Yeah. My schedule has been all over the place and I work in so many fields that it's hard for it to stay consistent. Yeah. But I do, I have been playing every day and recording every day and that makes me so happy. And it's, the process is, it's pretty unpredictable, but I have been in a spout of, of writing a lot in the last, I guess, four or five months of just, just really, really writing and songs pouring out of me and it's been a whirlwind and I'm drained, but I'm stoked. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And to go back to 444 Marcy Ave, the song, great song on your new record. You were quoted as saying this song was written to encourage my friends and myself to surrender to the present moment and give this whole being a live thing our best shot. So I was curious about the, you know, if there were any real life experiences, either that you or your friends and loved ones experienced that particularly inspired uh, this track. Yeah, to, I guess, bring it back to becoming sober, uh, another decision that led to it was I had a really heavy loss in 2018. Someone I was dating had passed away from a, a fentanyl overdose. I'm so and sorry. thank you. It, 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 it really hit me hard. And I have carried guilt for a few years for not having been present in my last moments with them. And in my, with my last moments with, other friends that I've lost and I I just I, I just was just like yeah why why not just try my best to just be my best self and to be present and to remember my conversations with people and to remember my engagements with people and I think that's what really sparked a lot of it yeah that seems to be a theme across the the record uh Seizing the present moment, being in the present moment, and valuing that presence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm striving for that. I'm not always there. I'm yeah, not, it's, but of I'm, course. I'm, it's it's uh, it's something to definitely for everyone. Just that's why it for. feels good to sing the songs. I'm like, oh yes, a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> Checking back in with myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was totally blown away by Hush, Stay Quiet. That's what an incredibly song. powerful song. Unreal. What a song. I mean, what I like about it, obviously, I think it evokes so many different emotions all at once. And I also really think it manages to be, you know, intimate and atmospheric kind of at the same time. So I'm wondering, this song in particular, um, how to grow into the song that it became? Because it's a it's a long song. It's six minutes, but it's really just a wonderful, uh, intense ride. There's like eerie moments. There's like sad moments. There's like everything on that track. Thank you. That means a lot. That's my favorite track on the record as well. And I think just the yeah the whole beef of the record it's like that track yeah. is very important and i think a lot of people will connect with it and it it changed a, a lot but i mean i 
the vocals and the melody and all of that and the whole song and the lyrics and the general structure of the song was written going into it. That was one song that completely poured out of me. I wrote it while my brother was figuring out his sobriety and it was, it was a scary time. And, you know, he's a magician, all this stuff. And it, it really just, I was thinking about my roots and where I came from and how I was so scared. I was so scared of what someone I really cared about was going through and I wanted so badly to help them. And the end of the song, it's, you know, you can only save yourself. I don't know how to say you can only save yourself. And then going into the studio, everyone was really excited and we got a lot of cool ambient noises. And I think everyone really connected to the track and to this feeling of having someone that they know that they want so badly to be the best version of themselves and so badly to help and to really accept the fact that you can't make anyone change and you can only be your best self and try to be a light in their life. And it it was magical. I loved recording that track. David Lismy on the bass was doing phenomenal stuff on an upright bass with, you know, having pedals and getting those really ambient long, just twin peaksy sounds. And then Zach, at the end, that sax solo. I think that's my favorite part of the entire record. There's so much emotion, and he was so excited to do that. He did that in two takes, and it was it was amazing. I really like how you deliver the you know the title line in the song. So I'm curious about how you was that just kind of naturally the way you decided this is how I'm going to sing this line like right out the bat, or did you like work on that? I just, when I hear that line in the song, I'm like, ooh, you know, kind of like gives me chills almost, <laughs> like it, the way it's delivered. It, it came at the same time of the songwriting. Like I said, that was yeah. one song that I just sat at my guitar and it wasn't one that I had to workshop for the writing part and for the vocal melody. The One of the first few times I sang that song, that's exactly the lyrics, exactly the melody that I was singing. But was, that, the was la- anyone with you when that when that happened or no, what, what was, was the feedback? Oh, wow. Yeah, I was by myself. And then I played it for my brother and my mom when I went back home in June of t- 2020. And it made both of them cry. And I was like, yeah, oh, OK, yeah, I'm not I was surprised. Like, maybe maybe this is a, a good one then. And I should keep playing this. And um it's we have been getting it has been a song that's been difficult to portray in the live version but my band last week did just nail it and i'm so excited for at the record release for how we're going to do this song live i think we're really gonna you know it's gonna be different because it is hard of course there's so much ambience and different layers and stuff through it but i think how we did it we finally got it down. So yeah, what do you see? How do you see your live shows? Just to kind of bridge into that, because you know you're you're a really powerful solo performer, but like a lot of songs on this record are kind of have that bigger full band sound. So how do you see your do you see your soul uh, your live shows kind of incorporating a little bit of both? Yeah, I I I will say the feedback I've gotten is that 
people who have listened to the record and who have seen my most recent live shows have said that seeing me live is the way to go. I think there is something that my band has right now. I've been playing with the rhythm section for five years. Um, it's been amazing bringing them on and bringing them in to play this record. I think we've tweaked some things. We've changed a lot of dynamic. We've really just like honed in on the songs and gotten to play them a lot because this last year in Brooklyn, I've been playing once, twice a month yeah. and then touring and stuff. So it's, it's been, I think, I think we're in a good place right now with the songs. And I was really just so stoked to hear that feedback of seeing me live was the way to go. Totally. Um, I mean, I think the record too, of course, it's, it's great in its own way, but I think there is something that I have been intentionally trying to still live in these songs and still really perform these songs to what they mean to me and to be expressive and to really be vulnerable and, and look for an exchange with the crowd. And tell me about slow dance and another great track on the record. And I love the juxtaposition of the title slow dancing with the flow of the track. And I know this was originally a slower paced country song. How did it evolve into the version that we hear on the record? So two days before the session or the night before our last day in the studio, we ha felt really great with where we were at. Slow dancing was recorded in that February of 2020 session as more of a slow down tempo song. And Nick and I were like, this song could be different. And yeah. we kept going back on it. We were like, oh, do we spend our last time doing that? Or do we do overdubs or harmonies or, you know, and then he had the idea. He's like, let's make this really fast and banging and bopping. And we and we tried it and I loved it. And singing also that song in that way, too, at that pace. And at the end, too, I, I remember singing the vocal track in the pitch black in the barn with the doors open, looking at the moon. And I came back into the studio and Ella and uh, Nick were just like, we've never heard anyone sing like that before. That was awesome. And yeah. like, yes. Very it was so cool. fast and I was fired up. I was like, wow, this is just going. Beautiful. So you mentioned that Hush Stay Quiet is your favorite song on the record, but either that song or any other song on the record, is there anyone in particular that stands out to you that you're particularly proud of or fond of and why? Well, this week when I listened back to the record, I really fell in love with the last track, Crooked, which is one of the first songs I ever recorded. And when I moved to New York, I had an EP out on Bandcamp that I later took down. And someday maybe I'll put it back up. But Crooked was one of the songs that, that was on there. But I listened back to the track last week. And I think my vocal delivery and what that song means to me and how it sits in the record is is very nice. I also love 444 Marcy Avenue. That's a great song, too. You were quoted in a recent interview. You said, my life is full of experiences and I channel them in my music. I was curious, what type of experiences would you say most inspire your music? Overcoming grief and fear, loss. I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm from 
rural Missouri. Yeah. I have worked hard my whole life. And I've really yeah. realized, too, that 2% of this business is raw, genuine, real talent, which is hard to find. Yeah. And then 98% of it is business and hard work. Yeah. And I... For some reason, I, I've just done so much my whole life that I have had a lot of crazy experiences. Even back in April, you know, falling off this 10-foot cliff in West Virginia and puncturing my lung. It was insane. Whoa. Did you not know about that? Oh, man. No, but what I, happened? So, I was in West Virginia. <laughs> this is side-trailing, but kind of crazy. And... I'm fine now, so we can just get that out of the way. I'm, I'm healed up. Good. But I was in West Virginia writing the second record and trying to take a break. And then Capture Tracks was like, Rolling Stone wants to do an article, a write-up of, come on, let's go. Do you have any visual content for it? And so me being me, I'm like, I'll have a music video in two days. So... <laughs> I'm running around West Virginia. Carmel, who I'm staying with, who's like a mom to me, is driving me around on the back of a truck. I'm having all these ideas, and we're in the woods, and we're we have like ten minutes to shoot this because it's right at the blue hour, and the lighting was perfect. And we this is for the video for Come On Let's Go, <laughs> and we hit record and. I walk backwards off of a 10-foot cliff. Wow. And I fell, and I landed on a tree which punctured my lung and punctured my eye and broke my ribs. And it was terrifying. It was terrible. And I really thought I was never going to be able to ever sing again. And that wow. was my biggest fear because I couldn't yeah. breathe for a month properly. And... I overcame that. And someone said yeah. to me recently, you overcame your biggest fear, which is not being able to be, to sing. Cause that's how I feel like I connect with myself and others. Yeah. And my, I went to a lung specialist and I also realized I have been not to toot my own horn, but I've been singing differently and I think better. And I think having just being closer to my voice and being uh, more thankful for it. And it's really brought a lot out of my, my voice and that experience of having to go through that. And yeah. 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 You're able to, and it's not easy to do, but you know, in retrospect, extract the positive out of negative situations. You have to. And I owe it to my mom for that because she, she's very wise and she's always, you know, she would always say to me, can't never did, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I, I did get to like take a step back and as traumatizing as that situation was, I, I found my voice. I finished the video. I even shot the last scenes with sunglasses on my face three days later, not breathing, popping popcorn into my mouth. When I was wearing glasses, that's because my I was like gouged yeah. out and all bloody. So, and Carmel was like, Scout, you have to stop. And I was like, We just have to get one more shot. <laughs> like, not being able to breathe, but I just, yeah, I'm living for the art. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, super glad you're okay and fully recovered from, from that Me experience. Ah. So, you've mentioned many times that you've already started working on the next record. 
what direction are you heading in with the songs that you're currently working on? I think the writing is more complex and, and, and special. I think I've been spending a lot of time writing and a lot of time fitting these lyrics together and drafting and workshopping them and sending them to friends and really being open to feedback. And also the melodies in my guitar playing, I think, are a lot stronger. I think also having the confidence behind this first record being made and the confidence of my live band being in a really good place it's really helped. And I, I think for this second record, I have a few ideas and a few people who I'm talking to to work with it. But I think a lot of it is going to be live and on reel to reel and possibly in my home because I think, I think that it, I, I nail it and my band would nail it. And I think it would be really, I, I think it's going in the direction of being raw, warm, intentional, more grounding and it's 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 dreamy a lot of the songs are dreamy some of them are very powerful and more twangy and country nice love some twang for sure i love some twang yes all right let's dive into some of that twang right now we're gonna hear a few songs from scout's new record no roof no floor we're gonna hear the title track and we're gonna follow that up with one of the singles from the record 444 Marcy Avenue. And of course, we're going to hear Hush, Stay Quiet.
All right, everyone, we just heard three songs from Scout's new record, No Roof, No Floor. We heard the title track, No Roof, No Floor. Then we heard 444 Marcy Ave. And we heard the epic Hush, Stay Quiet. And I know you loved all three of those songs and you're going to want to get a copy of the record on limited edition red vinyl. You can get that at scoutgilletmusic.bandcamp.com. That's S-C-O-U-T-G-I-L-L-E-T-T, music.bandcamp.com. The album is amazing. It sounds great on vinyl, and it's out now via Captured Tracks. All right, now, Scout, pick some records. We're going to talk about them. You picked a lot of really good 7-inch singles here. I loved what you had. I loved looking at your... I didn't even get to look at all of it because your Discogs is, is long. Yeah, I've been really focused on getting, like, singles for DJing and stuff because I've been DJing more. Well, we so gotta I, DJ together sometime. Yeah, we totally should. I totally want to, like, whenever you're done with this tour, I book a lot in Jersey City because that's where I live. I book in Brooklyn, too, but... Yeah, I'd love for you to to come play in uh, Jersey City. I'm trying to get more and more good artists out here because we've got some good spots here. I'm down. Yeah, and we could DJ and play or, yeah, we'll yeah. definitely DJ together. But uh, starting off with Think by Aretha Franklin. Tell me a little bit why you picked this legendary song by this legendary artist well i listen to aretha franklin on every sunday it's my church (laughs) yeah that's very that's very churchy for sure yeah she spirit in the dark just that record i know thinks not on that record but that's one of my favorite records i think that is a rock and roll and punk record i think it goes so hard and aretha's vocal style is unlike anyone else's it's just impact just how she delivers her songs and this one is just so like sassy and like mm, it just like always gets me in the groove totally is this an artist that your maybe your mom introduced you to growing up or Definitely. you know something that would be played around the house as Definitely. a kid yeah my mom loved aretha everly brothers beatles nina simone billy holiday yeah <laughs> Nick Lowe, So It Goes. Classic Nick Lowe track. It's so good. I have a... So, So It Goes. I mean, Kurt Vonnegut. Love him. I have a tattoo. I don't know if I'm going to be able to show it. Maybe. I have a tattoo. Okay, this is hard. This is, we're going for it. Do I, it. In West Virginia. Nice. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Bryn, Isaac wrote that and I tattooed that on myself and it's just been a mantra for since I was in high school of just so it goes let it go let's you know with my record too so and I think this the song's amazing it's so hooky and great in a big acoustic tower 
Walk on by by the Stranglers. Amazing that jam! It gets it gets pretty jammy, but I love the Stranglers, and I think the jam that they do is awesome. They rock hard. They do rock super duper hard. And Isaac Hayes, I mean, I love his version of Walk on By too. I'm Not Your Mother, I'm Not Your Bitch by Courtney Barnett off of Tell Me How You Really Feel. Such a good track. I love it. I love how dissonant it is. I love how grungy it is. I love how drivey it is. It's great. This is a new one. This is one of my favorite records of the year. Uh, Ignore Tenderness by Julia Jacklin from Australia. Another Australian artist. Both of them from Melbourne, I believe. Uh, Courtney Barnett and Julia Jacklin. Off of her new album, Pre-Pleasure. I, uh, when this record came out, I never really got into Julia Jacklin's albums before. I, I heard some tracks and liked it, but Hearing this record, I was blown away, especially by Ignore Tenderness. I listened to that song over and over and over again. And I saw her live at Brooklyn Steel, and it was awesome. Yeah, that must have been a really cool show. Did she play Brooklyn Steel this this year? Was that this year? Yeah, it was last month. Awesome. I'm pissed that I missed that. Somehow that flew under my radar there's a Damn. lot of shows going yeah on, i know? know everybody's getting back on the road to make up for lost time over the last few years so it's hard to keep there's track no room for doubt that you are brave need the sheets are just a And then shake some action by the flame and groovies. Got some definitely some classic, amazing songs in this uh, your selections here. Yeah, that 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 song is so hooky and it always like playing it in my car, driving around. Like, shake some action. Yeah, it always gets me in the in the mood to do things. This, this is a good like. DJing song too. This song always gets oh, yeah. people going in the DJ setting, especially in in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, I got so I, I like copy. playing this one. Maybe I'll, play it, maybe I'll play. Maybe I'll play it tonight at my DJ set. Yes, do it. Absolutely. <laughs>
could also mix in this one, the classic Roses by Outkast. Because I tried to make sense. I don't have that on my seven inch. When I saw that you had (laughs) that, I said, that is so cool. There's no way I'm not ending this playlist with Outkast, the seven inch. That is awesome. It is so cool that to think about Outkast in retrospect. And, you know, they were great in the 90s, of course, you know, but a little more underground and then kind of, you know, broke into pop culture in the 2000s where this song was like, you know, popular alongside like stuff that honestly probably wasn't as good, you know, in in retrospect, like they were really like outstanding. uh, Totally. Artists. I agree with that. Them and the gorillas. Yes. Out. Wow. Coming Come. to the end of the show. Your new album, No Roof, No Floor. It's awesome. It's going to be out you. on Captured Tracks, everyone. You can get a copy via Captured Tracks or Scout. What's your band camp? So Scout Bandcamp. Dot com. And I believe there's a limited edition there's a red vinyl, right? For people yes, like can, me that are into that. You can get a record at a show too from me personally. Um, if you decide to come to a show and Tom, thank you so much for having me on again. It's been such a pleasure knowing you and I really appreciate you taking the time and always uh, just being supportive of me over the years. This is my third time on the show, so it's it's cool to be back. Yeah, it is. That's and right. Yeah, I love speaking with you. You're such a unique and great artist, and y- your songs are excellent. And I'm, you know, really excited for you uh, as you begin this uh, next chapter as uh, artist. I'm ready for it. It's amazing. Thank- and you've. Yes. Yeah, we, we all are. And you've got some shows coming up, though. You're going to be in the Midwest, and then you're going to be in December out west, Definitely, right? yeah. I'm, I'm hitting the spots. I, I'm missing the south, which I want to get to the south soon. Hoping for that, because I really miss some people down there. But it's like a northeast support tour, and we're going out to Kansas City for a hometown show, and then to Chicago and Detroit. And then I'm going... I don't know yet, solo or with the band for the West Coast tour. I'm still trying to figure out the logistics for that. And But I've done a few tours solo on the West Coast, so I, I might do that. Amazing. Well, that's really cool, everyone. You can find tour information on Scout's Bandcamp. You could also check out her Instagram, Scout Galette. All right, Scout, thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. All right, we'll see you soon. We're going to play one more song from the record before we go. This is the last track on the album. It's called Crooked. 